Hi, and thanks for joining me on this edition of Tech Talk. My name is Nick Ellis. I'm the PC Computer Guy located in Indianapolis, providing local support and remote access support to people all across the country. If you need any help with anything, give me a call, 317-883-7224, or visit my website, www.pccomputerguy.com, for this podcast and many other tech tips, articles, and videos. So today we're going to be talking about the holiday season coming up, the shopping with uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Christmas coming around the corner after that, and boy, does time seem to fly. Um, one of the most common questions that I get during this time period is, what kind of computer should I buy? So I'm going to try to answer those questions for you. Obviously, I can't tailor it to every single person's requirements, but the recommendations that I'm going to give will provide a very good computer for your basic web surfing, emailing, um, writing papers. It even has the ability to do some pretty decent gaming and um, uh, video editing or just about whatever else you can throw at it. But there are other systems that might be a little bit better tailored. But uh, the general computers today are powerful enough that they can do just about anything that you want them to do. So, I do want to put in this disclaimer that these are just my personal preferences and things that I've seen while working on computers over the last many, many, you know, 10 years of doing this. So these recommendations are not endorsements of any of these companies, nor are they saying that they are completely trouble free. They're just based off the statistics that I see while working on different computers. For example, I see certain machines fail more frequently than other machines. That doesn't mean that if you get one that I recommend that it's going to be perfect. So please keep that in mind. Um, so the, the, the couple different things that we're going to be talking about are the basic recommendations, then some other items that I would recommend that you might look into if it's something that you think would work well. Um, and then we're going to talk briefly about laptop considerations and all-in-one desktops, which are kind of the new thing, um, or they're not really new, but they're becoming much more prevalent in today's computer industry, especially with Windows 8 and the touchscreen Metro interface that comes along with it. In terms of the basic recommendations, this is pretty much universal for laptops and desktops or just about any computer that you might purchase today. And of course, obviously, keep in mind that this information will become outdated, I would say, probably three months from now. Um, so, it, I mean, it may be the same. They may have some upgrades to these processors. But in general, the technology changes so quickly, so these recommendations are good for about three months. Um, for the processor, well, let's start with the brand. People will ask me, should I buy a Dell or a Compact or an HP? And really, the truthful answer is, buy whichever one you want to buy. Get the best bang for your buck. I have no loyalties to Dell or HP or Lenovo or Asus or any of the other manufacturers. The reason why I have no loyalties is because, for for the most part, the quality between them all is about the same. Uh, a Dell will have about the same life expectancy as an HP or Lenovo or an IBM or whatever else you might want to buy out there, with a couple exceptions. Acer computers seem to fail at a much quicker rate. I replace power supplies in them very frequently, and there's just all kinds of issues that I see with them. So do not buy Acer machines and don't buy e-machines. In fact, I haven't even seen them for a while, so I don't know if e-machines still exist, but avoid that if it's still out there. Um, when you're buying computers, computers have become a lot cheaper than they were in the past. But just like anything else, there's many different qualities of computing parts. And if you buy an Acer, essentially you're buying the cheapest possible components, which may be fine if you just want a disposable computer that you might expect to last a year or two years or something. But generally people want about five years out of their computer, maybe a little bit more. Um, so with the Acer things, I tend to stay away from that personally. Now you might buy an Acer and it might last 10 years, but generally speaking, I like to avoid Acer myself. Um, so I generally go for middle-of-the-line things. There's this bell curve in technology. When things come out, they're very expensive, and they're only a little bit faster than the things that have been out for a while that are significantly cheaper. And then there's the really cheap old stuff 
um, and and actually uh, things become more expensive as they even get older. For example, older RAM is much more expensive today now because there's not as much supply and demand. But I digress. Um, so middle of the bell curve. I like to go middle of the road. You get the best bang for your buck, and um, it's not too much different from the top of the line stuff. So that being said, what kind of processor should you get? I like the Intel processors. I've always been an AMD fan. I'm a fan of the underdog, but the numbers speak and everything else can walk. And the Intel processors, specifically the i5 and i7 processors, are spanking the AMD processors. It takes an AMD 8-core processor to do the same thing an an Intel quad-core processor can do. So the Intel processors being more than twice as efficient at doing what they do. They also tend to consume less power, which is important for heat and uh, the quietness of the computer and efficiency if you're buying a laptop. So the Intel i5 processor is a good middle-of-the-road processor. If you want a little bit more power, the i7 processors are their higher up-in-the-line processors. Either one of them are going to be very good processors for doing the general stuff. You can get an i3, and an i3 will be sufficient as well, but you know, if the i5 is only 50 bucks more, might as well go for that. There are many different subclasses in that i5, but an i5 should do you, do you well enough. Um, in terms of the memory, you want to get 4 gig of memory or more. That's pretty standard in computers these days. In fact, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a computer that has less than 4 gig of RAM. If you can get 6 or 8 gig, that's great. Anything more than 8 gig for the average user is going to be overkill. Um, You're just not going to use anything near it. So if you have the difference between a computer with 6 gig and 8 gig, the average user probably will notice absolutely no difference whatsoever. If you put 12 gig in it, the difference between a 6 gig and a 12 gig computer, you probably won't notice any difference whatsoever. People that will notice differences are people that, not even so much gaming, but people that are doing um, more video editing, high-definition video editing, video production, uh, Photoshop, high multi-layer graphics, and things of that sort. So for the average user, overkill. So 8 gig, 4 and 8 gig, something like that is good. The um, hard drive is generally irrelevant. The hard drives today... About the smallest you can get is a 500 gig hard drive, which is a pretty big hard drive for what the average population does out there. You might use, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a number here. The average average user uses about 100 gig based off of what I see. And the hard drives today are 500 gig. And that includes Windows and all of your programs and everything else. The total usage is 100 gig of the hard drive for the average person. So since the smallest hard drives that you can basically buy today are 500 gig, you might be able to find some 320 gig, but generally they're about 500 gig. Um, You don't need to really worry about that too much. They also come in one terabyte, which is the equivalent of 1,000 gigabytes, and even bigger than that, 1.5 terabyte drives. Generally speaking, it doesn't really matter. Once you get to that point, there's just way more space than you're going to need. It's like being a a couple of two and buying a mansion. It's great that you have a mansion, but there's only two of you and there's only so many rooms that you can occupy at one time really and most of the house will just go empty so the hard drive is not really relevant if you can find the brand of the hard drive which you pretty much never can then it's good to buy one of the american the western digital or the seagate hard drives i tend to steer away from the hitachi or the samsung hard drives but again you probably aren't going to be able to get that information um so uh, sometimes you can buy the monitors separate from the computer. So you'll just buy the tower and then you'll buy the monitor. With the monitors, again, I like to go with name brands. Dell, LG, HP, and Asus are some of my preferences. Um, a lot of people like Samsung things. I do not like Samsung things. I've bought five Samsung things in the past uh, couple years, and four of them are broken, and only one of them continues to work. So I personally have a ban on Samsung products. Samsung monitors look very nice, but I don't think that they tend to last very long. So again, my preference is Dell, LG, HP, Asus. Um, Don't buy whatever you do. Don't buy one of the knockoff brands like AOC or something like that. 
they definitely are inferior and you will find out as you use the machine that they tend not to work as well um the the picture tends to be a little bit more blurry and they tend to have problems sooner so i would recommend that the operating system I have a very well-known um, on YouTube. There's about 20,000 views or something on Windows 8 and why you should not buy Windows 8. Um, generally speaking, people hate Windows 8. Um, there are some people that like it, but in general, people do not like it for many good reasons. I won't beat up on it in this podcast, but go to my website, type Windows 8, and you can watch the review and read the article and everything on my discussion on that. However... It's getting harder and harder to find Windows 7 computers because you're basically buying the leftovers that are still around, which might mean that you get good deals on them, but it also means that they're harder to find. But do try to shop around and find a Windows um, Windows 7 computer if you don't want to have to spend a lot of time relearning things and being annoyed and frustrated by things being moved around and just being odd and bizarre in a lot of different ways. One other thing that I would try to recommend is if you're buying a tower, Get it in a standard form factor, meaning kind of the standard case looking like size. They have the thin cases and then they have the, the normal cases, the, the ATX cases. Try to get one of these standard size cases because the parts in them are much easier to replace. They tend to be less expensive and they're easier to work on, which means if you need to have anything done, it's less expensive on you. And also quicker since some parts have to be uh, special ordered for these, these smaller computers. So those are some of the basic things right there. The other thing that we're going to get into is uh, some of the other, the two other features that you can look for if you want to, but are not part of the basic features or things that you must have. Dual monitors. I equate dual monitors to like going from dial-up to high-speed internet. Once you make the switch, you never go back. Same thing with dual monitors. I will never, for my personal computer, it will always have dual monitors from thenceforward. It will always be dual monitors. It sounds like it's excessive and overkill, but in today's world, you see more and more things having dual monitors. People at home frequently have dual monitors or more frequently have dual monitors. Office setups have dual monitors. It's it's you just a lot of the computers support dual monitors already in them. So that's something if you are interested in, you can look at when you're buying your computer. But they have dual monitor support in them, meaning that you can plug two monitors into it. It's very easy to configure so that you can have side by side. So you might have your email up on one screen and your Facebook up on another or, uh, you know, imagine whatever you want to have on the two different screens. I use it very, very, very frequently. And, um, for example, if I'm working on some homework or something, I um I won't do it on my laptop. I need my dual screen so that I can have something on one screen and then the article that I'm reading on the other screen so that I can make notes back and forth. So dual monitors, very nice thing to consider. And the only increase in cost, assuming your computer supports it, which many of the new computers do, is the cost of the second monitor, which usually runs about $130 to $150. There's a whole, let me digress really quickly, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of monitors, LED, OLED, uh, LCD, etc. Basically, just buy whatever monitor you want. I mean, there are little differences between them, but all monitors are going to be very nice. Um, in terms of the size of the, size of the monitor, get whatever fits your bill. Um, the other very nice thing to have, if you can find it, which I haven't actually seen any computers really with this, um, but... You know, by Christmas time, you might have some more of these available. Computers with solid-state hard drives. Now, there are some laptops with a hybrid solid-state drive. They have a 32-gig solid-state drive and a um, a larger traditional magnetic drive. Um, but if you can find a computer that has, like, a 250-gig solid-state drive, incredible. I mean, the, 
a solid state drive is a new kind of hard drive or a newer kind of hard drive that is anywhere between five and ten times faster than your traditional hard drive. And with all this extra power in the computer, you have a very fast processor, you have a lot of memory, but your computer's constantly kind of sitting around twiddling its thumbs waiting for the hard drive. Think of it as a car with um, a big, you know, Ford 5.2 liter Cobra engine in it and the transmission to go along with it, but it has bicycle wheels on it. It's not going to be able to, you know, the, the traction is just going to be lost. Well, the, while a computer with a tri- traditional hard drive with these these specs in it are going to work very, very well, if you have a solid state drive, it'll work even better. In my computer, my computer is actually an older computer, older than the specs that I'm giving you here. And it runs faster than most people's computers because it does have a solid state drive in it. So my computer's, uh, your, your boot time for Windows with like a solid state drive is something like 20 seconds or in that ballpark range. And uh, launching things is almost instantaneous. So if you can find a computer with a solid-state hard drive, go for that if you want to make your computer even twice as fast as it's going to be. Um, so we're going to switch topics a little bit here, and we're going to start talking about laptops. There's just a couple things that I want to point out with laptops, things that um, people might not think to consider if you're just going out and purchasing something. Again, brands really doesn't matter uh, so long as it's not Acer or eMachine. Um, with the laptops... There's a couple well, weight. Weight is one of the important things. If the laptop is heavy, then it's less convenient to drag around with you. It actually weighs on your shoulder when you're carrying it through the airplane. So one of the things you want to look at is the weight of the laptop. You can you can find the specs of it usually when you're purchasing it at the store. Um, there's a new kind or newer kind of laptop out there called Ultrabooks. Ultrabooks are ultra light laptops. Very, very, very nice in that um, they usually weigh like a pound or maybe 1.2 pounds. or They're just incredible. Go to the store and check out some Ultrabooks and see what you think of them. They're very thin. The batteries tend to last uh, a good amount of time on them. You do sacrifice some things with these Ultrabooks, but um, I really like the, the idea of having something that is very lightweight, very thin, portable, easily portable, and battery lasts a fairly long time. So check into Ultrabooks if that's something that, uh, if weight is a consideration for you. Another consideration is sound. Many times we'll purchase the laptop and not really check out the sound. My Inspiron, I think it's a 1520 or 1525, has horrible, horrible sound. Basically, if there's any noise in the room, you can't hear anything on the laptop, even if it's cranked up all the way. So one of the things you definitely want to look for is a laptop with good sound. Um, So definitely listen to it while you're in the store and uh, try to crank it up as loud as you can and make some noise and just make a good, honest uh, um, effort to listen to the sound that the laptop is producing. Another thing you want to look at is the battery life. The battery life, obviously, is very important for laptops because if the battery lasts only three hours, whereas another one lasts six hours, definitely you want the six hours. With laptops, you're generally losing some of the power versus a desktop in gaining the portability function, and the portability is dependent on the battery itself. And so you want to make sure that the battery lasts as long as possible. Do know this. When you purchase it, it might last, for example, six hours and 30 minutes. Expect a precipitous drop in it after the first two or three months of using it so that it goes down to like four and a half or five hours. That's That tends to be kind of normal. And then the last thing is the screen size. For me personally, I don't like laptops bigger than a 15.4-inch screen. If you have this giant screen on it, it takes away from the portability factor. So I like the 15.4 or smaller. Some of the Ultrabooks come with 13-inch screens, which sounds kind of small, but I like it because it's very easily um, portable and easy to take around with you. The next topic we're going to be talking about is the all-in-one computers. This is becoming more and more common, especially with Windows 8 and the touchscreen interface. 
However, there's a couple things I want you to think about before purchasing your all-in-one. It is nice that in the all-in-ones, everything is all-in-one case, hence the name all-in-ones, and uh, it does have touchscreens, or they often have touchscreens. However, what tends to be the case is after the first like week of having the touchscreen, people don't like to use it anymore. You don't want to keep taking your hands off of your keyboard and mouse and reaching for the touchscreen over and over again. It just kind of gets annoying. So once that factor wears off, people tend to use it less and less. That may not be the case with Windows 8 because it's kind of built more for the touch interface, but it's still, you're going to have to constantly be reaching up for your screen. And if your screen sits a little bit away from your desk, then that's going to become very inconvenient very fast. So I don't worry about the touchscreen portion of it. um, In fact, I recommend not getting the touchscreen portion of it if you're just buying a normal desktop computer. Uh, The... With the all-in-ones, everything is nice because it's all in one case, so that tends to lead to less wires. You still need to plug in your peripherals, such as your printer and stuff often, but um, it's less wires, so that's a little bit neater. However, the drawbacks to that are things with these all-in-one computers are proprietary. That means that they're not interchangeable very easily with other parts. The reason why PCs are so relatively inexpensive is because things right now are completely interchangeable or almost completely interchangeable. So I can take a power supply out of a Dell and put it in an HP and the thing will work just fine. That also allows me to go to the store and purchase just a generic power supply and I can slap it in either one of those computers. That means that the manufacturers can compete and produce these these pieces of equipment at a cheaper price because they are competing fiercely against each other. When it's proprietary, that means that it's made just for that computer or just for that computer and maybe one or two others. So that means there's not as much competition, which means that the price is much more expensive. This is the exact reason why Apple computers cost so much. Everything with Apple is proprietary. So proprietary equipment does give you that nice everything's all in one package, but it means that A, if I need to fix your computer, I'm probably going to have to order the part, which means that it's going to take a week or more for me to receive that part and to get it installed. It also means that it's going to take longer to disassemble your machine because since it's not standard, I'm going to have to download the service manual and be very careful when taking it apart so that I don't damage anything, which essentially means that the repair takes longer. Just the other day, I replaced a hard drive in one of these all-in-one machines, and it took a couple hours. The same process in a standard desktop takes about 15 minutes. So the repair costs tend to cost more, or yeah, the repair costs are more expensive and the um, labor or you, the repair time is generally a little bit slower. But if you're willing to trade that off, then one of those all in ones might be nice. <clears throat> the other thing to consider is if the screen goes bad, you can't just run down to the store, for example, and buy another screen and plug it into the machine. The, you have to get the screen replaced. So everything's down. It's kind of like the VCR-DVD combos where everything's all in one or the TV-VCRs. If, if the TV goes bad, then the VCR is essentially useless. Until you get the TV fixed, your VCR is pointless. Whereas with a standard desktop, if your monitor goes bad, you just take that monitor, chuck it in the trash, run down to the store, buy another one, plug it in, and you're up and running again in you know, about 20 minutes or something. So those are a couple of things to consider with the all-in-ones. I am not a fan of them myself, but I see the niceness in having everything all in one package. So hopefully that uh, gives some people out there an idea of some things to look for, pros and cons um, for this upcoming shopping season, and uh, hope you guys make a good pick. Asus is a uh, company that's been around for a long time, but they've only been producing um, full package things just really within the last year or two. Um, but I like Asus equipment. Lenovo equipment is also good equipment. It was an IBM company that was spun off onto its own thing. So those are a couple of good brands where you get best bang for your buck. But again, the key for me is best bang for the buck so long as it meets those requirements that were spelled out initially at the very beginning. So I hope you guys get some good deals out there. Happy shopping, happy Thanksgiving, and future Merry Christmas to you. And again, if you need anything else, you can just give me a call. If you need help setting up equipment or getting anything uh, installed and up and running, give me a call. My number is 317 883 
PCCG. That's 883-PC-Computer-Guy-7224-883-7224. My website, www.pccomputerguy.com, where you can find this and many other podcasts and tech tips out there. Until next time. Bye.